Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Good evening and welcome to the History of Germany podcast. I'm Travis Dow. And last time we talked about Neanderthals, but they weren't our direct ancestors. So there was a common ancestor of Homo sapiens and Neanderthals living in Central Europe, though, if we go even further back. Also, iTunes is up and running, so if you like the show, please please do me a huge favor and rate this show on iTunes. That's one of the best ways you can help a new show. Thanks. Homo heidelbergensis, as we barely kind of touched upon in the last episode, lived in Africa, Europe, Western Asia at least 600,000 years ago and maybe uh, date all the way back to 1.3 million years ago. Homo heidelbergensis's brain was nearly as large of, as that of modern Homo sapiens. It is very likely the direct ancestor of Homo sapiens in Africa and also Neanderthals in Europe and also pe- perhaps the Denisovans in Central Asia. And first discovered near Heidelberg in Germany in 1907, it was described and named by Otto Schuttensack. Homo heidelbergensis lived in Germany around 300,000 years ago, and we'll get back to them, but since the discovery itself of heidelbergensis is also German history, let me tell you about the man who first described the type specimen of Homo heidelbergensis in 1908. He lived from 1850 to 1912, and... Um, his father taught at a gymnasium, which is like a German high school, and his his father was kind of interested in interested in linguistics and uh, you know just the science of language and also history. And Otto Schuttensack married in 1878, and he had uh, two sons. After a few years, he started working as a pharmacist in Hamburg, and his time in Hamburg set the foundation. For for the knowledge he would need in a to set up a kind of a, a chemical factory in Ludwigshafen am Rhein. He started a company called Hoffmann and Schuttensack, OHG, in the fall of 1877. And it, it, the, the, the headquarters were kind of in Mannheim with a sort of factory or a warehouse in Ludwigshafen. And it, it employed some 200 people. So it was, you know, pretty pretty good size um, factory. But they produced things like chloroform and acids and dangerous chemicals. So the, the company got really rich, but, but at the time, the safety measures were kind of uh, different than they were today. So regarding like chemicals and you know, dangerous substances and stuff, they didn't really understand the, the connections with like toxicities or you know, how, how chemicals worked on people over time. And unfortunately, that had some serious consequences for Schuttensack's health. He started to have problems breathing, and you know, then he had, he had chronic bronchitis. And event- eventually, it got so bad that he actually had to sell the whole company and just kind of get out. So, um, but but he this kind of gave him another the, like the capital he needed to pursue one of his other interests. So at first, he went to Freiburg 
1883 with his wife and family. And now in his mid-30s, he started to study mineralogy and geology, anthropology, uh, paleontology, and, you know, other sort of sciences. And uh, in the University of Freiburg, he was, he got his PhD. And with that, the year later, he got, became the management of the museum also. Everything that Otto Schuttenzack would need to do what we now today know him for, which is, first of all, move to Heidelberg in 1888. Um, at this time, he started to study kind of genome of, of higher life, like, and, you know, and especially was interested in the development of Homo sapiens and, you know, just the overall question, where does man come from? Natural sciences and mathematics faculty of the Universität Heidelberg for prehistory of, of man, and part of his job included um, taking stock of kind of the uh, areas, sediment, and fossils in the, the discovery of the jaw that would be known as Maurer 1. So the discoveries in the sands of Maurer um, became Schuttenzock's kind of crowning achievement. Fall of 1907, where in the sand quarry, a, a worker named Daniel Hartmann found a fossilized jaw or mandible and this is now known as the the mandible of Mawa and then on the next time they told Schuttenzack because Schuttenzack was actually you know watching these um, sand quarries like that you know he, he let everybody know if you find anything you know tell me this is it was part of his job he named the species of the fossil uh, after the home of choice so Homo heidelbergensis that's how he that's why he gave it the name then a few years later, he wrote a book that kind of uh, summarized all his theories and, and everything about the bone and where it fits in, in into history. That work made Schuttenzack known globally. And even today, it still counts as kind of a exemplary um, find description, like uh, description, exemplary description of a find. Like it was just really uh, thorough and, and everything was measured exactly and uh, it was just really well done. So then to, to wrap up with Schuttenzack, he eventually retired on the Italian Riviera in a town called Ospedaletti. And this is because his health kind of got worse and worse. So um, he wasn't really able to even, even do uh, scientific lectures anymore. You know, talking in front of a big audience just became too difficult. And eventually he died at the age of 62 in the year 1912. And that was in Ospedaletti. Ospedaletti. So now what I want to look at is, is to see what the, um, or what, what's theorized or what's, what's thought or what's known through fossils to be the kind of surrounding of Homo heidelbergensis. Because in, in some ways that might give us a glimpse, glimpse of what um, Central Europe like, looked like some 300,000 years ago when he lived there. So that's um, pretty interesting. So it's our flying squirrels, deer, elk, wild boar, through the floor crawled mole and shrews. A prehistoric beaver built their dams. Open landscapes had hares, galloping horses. And then, more exotically perhaps, forest elephants, woolly rhinoceroses, hippopotamuses. But whether the Heidelbergers, you know, which, which species they, they hunted and which one was their prey um, isn't really known th that well. Um, but there was, there was also bear, wolf, leopard, saber-toothed tiger, hyenas. So, you know, Homo heidelbergensis kind of roamed a, a pretty large range 
but that kind of gl- gives us a glimpse of some of the stuff they, they may, maybe had to deal with or see. Uh, Homo heidelbergensis themselves probably evolved from Homo ergaster in Africa. Uh, now, Homo heidelbergensis has a has a sort of similar, on average, brain size, maybe a little smaller than than modern humans. The average may be five nine or a meter seventy five. Females may be five two, one fifty seven. So so slightly taller on average than Neanderthals. So Neanderthals kind of shrunk from their ancestors, and Homo sapiens kind of grew a little bit. Uh, in South Africa, some specimens of the same time period have been found at over two meters, like seven feet. So, um, the, it, you know, it did kind of vary. Some discoveries in Spain also suggest that Heidelbergensis might be the first of the Homo genus to bury its dead. And there was likely some sort of maybe pre-linguistic system of communication, but they're definitely kind of, you know, social, social people. Now, Homo heidelbergensis, we don't actually have any art or sophisticated artifacts other than some kind of stone tools. Um, but, but red ochre was found, which is used as a, you know, to make a sort of a red pigment, uh, and they're, you know, like a paint. Um, and that's been found in the south of France, but the paint itself or anything painted hasn't been found. So, you know, hard to say. What's also kind of interesting is that dental wear analysis suggests that they were likely to be right-handed, just, you know, more or less as modern humans. They're sometimes theorized to be the first hominid to vocalize. So that when, so as kind of Homo heidelbergensis developed, more sophisticated culture proceeded, like kind of started at this point and, and, and kind of developed. So that's during Homo heidelbergensis' time. That's, that's pretty significant. And then some stone spear points have been found, which, um, kind of implies that Neanderthals and modern humans inherited this, this ability to make stones rather than developing the t- technology independently. Like, modern humans and Neanderthals might have always known how to make stone spears because Homo heidelbergensis was already doing it, uh, which is, you know, kind of interesting that, that we might have had something, some kind of skill set from, from prehistory, something as specific as making spears. And then, you know, if if you want to know the reason why Homo heidelbergensis uh, was the ancestor of Neanderthals and humans, but humans and Neanderthals kind of turned out in different ways, um, it's, you know, it's thought to take place during the Wollstonian stage and Ipswichian stage. If you want to look those up, those are kind of warming or interglacial stages, you know, within the current current time frame. So the European population... Uh, became that Neanderthals during in the th- 300,000 years ago, the time frame we're talking about, and that's during that Wollstonian stage, whereas Homo sapiens probably diverged between 200,000 and 100,000 years ago in Africa. So Neanderthals looked basically a lot like Homo heidelbergensis, except that they're maybe a little bit shorter, uh, more robust, kind of stout, and had also large brow ridges and a slightly protruding protruding face, and then a lack of a prominent chin, you know, so their, their chin kind of goes back. Like Homo sapiens, on the other hand, have the smallest brows of any known hominid period and are kind of taller and maybe, you know, a little skinnier and have a flat face with a, protru- pro- you know, with a kind of a protruding uh, chin. And then further discoveries, again, uh, Maurer 1 is the type spe- specimen but every time they make another discovery of Homo heidelbergensis somewhere, then they compare it. And, and so the next Homo heidelbergensis that was discovered and, and described was found in Steinheim an der Moor, also in Germany. And then, also, and then in Argo in France and Petrolona in Greece. 
and Campata del Diavolo in Italy. Also, the in 1925 to 1926, the Galilee skull was unearthed in Israel. This was the first ancient hominid fossil found in Western Asia. And then Boxgrove Man was a discovery in 1994 by Brit British scientists when they discovered a lower, a lower hominid tibia a few miles away from the English Channel. And, and with that find came a lot, like hundreds of ancient hand axes at the Boxgrove Quarry site. And now these are dated to be between 478,000 years old and 524,000 years old. And several Homo heidelbergensis teeth were also found in subsequent seasons. And at the time of Homo heidelbergensis, France and Great Britain were kind of connected by a land bridge, or, you know, there's just no channel at the time. You could, you could walk back and forth during that era. And a, a, another huge find is in 1992, a Spanish team located more than 5,500 human bones dated to, a, to an age of at least 350,000 years ago in northern Spain. So there's fossils of perhaps 32 individuals together with remains of extinct bear species and other carnivores, and then more hand axes. And, and it's this site where the hand axe was thought to be that it was for some kind of um, ritual, like a, or a ritual offering for a funeral. And if that's the case, it would be the oldest known evidence of, of some kind of funerary practices, like a, an actual rite at the time of, of burial. In fact, 90% of all the known Homo heidelbergensis remains that we currently have have been obtained from this site. So it's 90% from this one site in, in northern Spain. And then it's nearby where we have the only known and controversial Homo antecessor fossil. Um, and there's, there's some debate whether some of the Homo heidelbergensis fossils are actually early Homo neanderthalensis. So there's, you know, there's some scientists that are trying to um, put forward a theory that here you almost see evolution happening in Europe, that you, th this is the actual site that shows the evolution from uh, Homo heidelbergensis to Neanderthals, but that's a little bit controversial. So that's, you know, the, the jury's still out on that one. Then in Suffolk, England in, in 2005, flint tools and teeth uh, were found along with a water vole, and this is important, a, a species Mimosis savini, which is a key dating species, because you know if you find this species, they, they can kind of figure out uh, roughly how old the the surrounding find is. So these were found in the cliffs at Pakefield near Lowestoft in, in Suffolk, and this suggests that hominids can be dated to England to about 700,000 years ago. Part kind of con controversially, and this is potentially um, a cross between Homo antecessor and Homo heidelbergensis. And then finally, in Schöningen, Germany, the, there's the Schöningen spears, which are eight wooden throwing spears from the Paleolithic age, and they were found under the management of Dr. Hartmund Thieme from between 1994 and 1998. So, and this is an open cast lignite mine in, in Schöningen, Germany, together with approximately some 16,000 animal bones. And again, more than 300,000 years old, and these are the oldest completely preserved hunting weapons in the world, period. The oldest hunting weapons ever found. And it's, it's kind of the first evidence of active hunt by Homo heidelbergensis. So these discoveries have permanently changed the picture of cultural and, so, and social development of early man altogether. Um, so 
I thought it was kind of interesting to take a look at at this ancestor and and you know perhaps earliest uh, hominid living in central in Central Europe. But now we're going to jump ahead quite a bit next time, and we'll leave hominids behind us and look at the first Homo sapiens in Central Europe. So next time, the first early modern humans on the History of Germany podcast. Thanks for listening. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.